It's Wednesday, so you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird. Hey, you can listen to me any day of the week. You can listen online at WRTFM.org, at the A Public Affair podcast, or on the WORT smartphone app. If you like what you hear, click the donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. We bring the sound communication of our tribal war. Dark vision fly by helicopters in the night. Attempt triangulation of our Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Public Affair. It's Wednesday, so that means you've got me. I'm your guest, uh, your host today. I'm not your guest. I'm your host today. I'm Carousel Baird. And I want to remind you, you are listening to WORT 89.9 FM Madison. We have a fabulous show lined up today. I want to talk about the attacks on the rights of transgender individuals. Nationally, and now here in Wisconsin, there's been proposals of bills across the country. It's just staggering and terrifying. And 2023 is the fourth consecutive year of record-breaking anti-trans legislation being proposed nationwide. In 2021, there were 144 anti-trans bills introduced. In 2022, there were 174 And now in 2023, 583 anti-trans bills introduced so far this year. It's a national crisis and we are destroying, not only challenging the health and well-being of transgendered individuals, but we are challenging the mental health of thousands, millions of individuals across the country, youth and adults. Um, here to talk to us about the legislation proposed and passed here in Wisconsin uh, and a more of a broader picture to really understand the needs um, of transgender individuals, just like the needs of everybody else. We have two fabulous guests joining us today. First, we have Gabe Laredo. He is the Transgender Advocate with Outreach LGBTQ Plus Community Center. Hi, Gabe. How are you doing? Hi. I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm I'm doing okay, too. It's Good. great to have you. Thank you for having us. I'm so glad you're both here. And Sky G is here, Peer System Navigator, Outreach with Outreach LGBTQ Community Center. Hello, Sky Gia. Hi. Thank um, you for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. So can we sort of start big picture with what's happening here in Wisconsin? The legislation that just passed the Wisconsin State Assembly and the Wisconsin State Senate uh, regarding gender-affirming care, what was it? What happened? Who wants to start? I leave space for you, Gabriel. Okay, I have a lot to say. Um, That's good. We have the whole hour. Detail is appreciated. Um, where to start? Um, sorry, I'm still gathering my thoughts. I think I had too much coffee this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna keep you punchy for the whole time. I like it. Um, I. What's really happening is. Mm, I'm trying to put this eloquently and nicely. Mm -hmm. Um, What's really happening is um, 
attacks on just individual rights mm-hmm. um, out of out of like anger and fear um, for like it's a lot there's there's a lot lot. yeah um do you want to start with even telling us what the bill yeah proposed so um there's several um there's the um transgender athlete bill that um i believe that one passed Mm -hmm. um then there's the healthcare bans and then there's the incarcerated um incarceration bills that are trying to be passed. Yes. So let's, let's start with the health care. Okay. Gender affirming care. If that's okay. Yes. Um pass like if if those pass, the the it would do uncounted harm on the mental health of countless people. Um, it's on one one hand I have the question of how can Dane County declare itself a trans sanctuary and then we go and pass these health care bans. Right. Yeah. What futile power sometimes local governments have when um you can, I mean, I think that's a good point. You can be in a community mm-hmm. that is supportive and yeah. that we all, every human being needs to be in a community that supports them uh, so they can wake up in the morning and, and be who they are. Yeah. But that's not good enough no. sometimes. So just if Dane, Dane County is upset at this law, that's nice it could be i mean you prefer that than otherwise but that doesn't stop the harm that's coming your way perhaps because of the state that you live in correct yeah and the proposed health care ge- regarding gender affirming care it prohibits health care providers from engaging or referring to someone who engages any healthcare to help an individual transition from one gender different from the gender they were assigned at birth. Mm-hmm. And there's such a wa- broad spectrum. I really appreciated that you started this conversation with it's a lot of anger and hate mm-hmm. aimed at people. It doesn't even seem to make any sense. And Sky Gia, do you want to sort of chime in here? What are your thoughts? Yeah. So. Yeah. My first thought actually kind of wraps back to your comments when we opened the show uh, in terms of you referencing, you know, how terrifying the state of reality is. And I definitely want to validate how true that statement is. For me personally, as somebody who's a part of the trans community, this entire experience is enlightening and relieving because the trans community has been under attack since you know the beginning of colonization so from my from my opinion 
um, when I'm sitting in these legislative hearings and I hear a senator say, well, we haven't been dealing, this hasn't been a problem except for the last five years or so. And, you know, I really don't have any education on this subject because of this because of this false truth that this problem only started five years ago. I believe that the legislation that has continued to be proposed no doubt is violent, but definitely exposes an ignorance that furthers the progression of my agenda, which is liberation for all oppressed people. And um, in that way, I find this entire experience to be one where I move very tactfully and carefully uh, because I believe that there are people who are being exploited. There are people who don't realize that an agenda of hate and violence is driving them. And then there are folks who are well aware of that fact and find power in oppressing people. So I, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I think that's like the first thing that I'd like to share about this entire topic is how I've been very cautious to allow these conversations to promote division because I do think that that's the intention and the goal behind the legislation. Like a lot of this legislation was known that it wasn't going to be passed into law mm -hmm. while it may still cause a ripple effect that could... Um, that could give birth to an infighting between people who all have the same common oppressor and enemy. I love that you phrase this as part of liberation, right? This is human liberation. And there's something very powerful about your acknowledgement, although it's horrible, and that's an understatement, to be in it at the moment, to... You're like this wise omen where you can see you can see that to get to the end goal, this is a step of the progress that has to be made of so much outrage and anger has to be said out loud so that you can defeat it out loud. And although you wish this wasn't the moment, you're seeing how you can take this moment and keep growing from it. That, that's amazing. Yeah, whenever I can, I will use these platforms to speak truth to power about the fact that our LGBTQIA community is strong, that we continue to develop our networks of solidarity and support within one another. And I say that in the face of all of the hate and the violence because it is what ultimately defies the power that that hate and violence holds over myself and over the communities is being able to believe that I am protected, that, that the community that I come from is protected even while we are being constantly hurt, murdered, and under attack. So can we talk a little bit about then, can we help educate our listeners my, and, my, yes. and myself included uh, and help us join as you know, right, we have the common enemy and help us join in the liberation leadership that yeah, that let's do you it. You need can you help us understand what gender affirming care is and why that is so important? The words don't mean anything to so many people that 
don't know your story that haven't been paying attention to this because it hasn't been pointed out to them i don't want to say it hasn't been part of their world because the truth is it's it's like when gay marriage started and was like oh i finally know people that are gay you knew people that were gay always you just didn't realize you did but you always knew them and we all know trans individuals you just didn't stop to realize it i but that being said help us understand what gender affirming care is um so when you say gender affirming care, I just think of like the whole spectrum of healthcare. Yes. Because like gender affirming care technically is for everybody. Let's think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I go to the OBGYN, that's gender based care for myself. Exactly. Um, like folks who um, are like um, identify as cisgender men and they have low testosterone and they get HRT, they get like gender affirming care to get testosterone treatments for their low testosterone that's gender affirming care so gender affirming care is care to affirm the gender that you are Mm -hmm. um it it's as simple as that yep um 100 it's health care it's health care yeah and and i feel like um the the ignorance around the idea of gender affirming care is being used against people so i really love how you gave examples of people who aren't necessarily lgbtq who receive this type of care uh, because i don't think a lot of people are aware of it no no we didn't i didn't come into the show thinking i received gender affirming care exactly (laughs) but how ridiculous and narrow-minded of me of course i do every Every time. Mm-hmm. 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 Anytime you receive a checkup for what your needs are as the gender you identify as, that's gender affirming care. And that's the whole idea is that when a doctor, when you seek health care, you need the health care provider to know what you are and what you are seeking and what you are bringing to the table. And yeah. that's mm-hmm. right. You want to see them. You want them to see you. Your whole person. I if I have a broken foot, I just don't have, you know. It's n- I'm not just a foot. I'm all these things that attach to it. Yeah, and I can't deny, you know, the influence that religion and yeah. has played in my experience of um, discrimination when I go to a healthcare provider. Uh, I've been to a few Catholic hospitals before. And once I realized that that was a reason why I was being mistreated and why I was being asked inappropriate questions that had nothing to do with my visit and how somehow any ailment that I had was like turned backwards and tried to be connected to the idea that I have was trans. And uh, so once I realized that, I began to choose wisely about which healthcare professions and which hospitals, you know, I would choose to visit. And I just felt like that was really important to call out because I think that it's a huge reason why this topic is so divisive. And I don't think a lot of people want to necessarily talk about it, the ways that religion influences this. Um, But, and and I even feel... 
like I should I should say like um when I say religion the way that religion influences it too I I would like to say you know it's more so the way that someone interprets their religion and whether or not their interpretation of their religion is inclusive or exclusive talk to us about the healthcare providers and the hospitals here in Dane County that we have access to yeah right and the impact that they have had on, you know, individuals getting the care that they deserve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had the privilege of being a, um, having really good care with the hospital that I um, received care at. Okay. Um, being good. a patient through that hospital. Um, so, um, knowing that privilege um there I work also with other clinics in the area and seeing the differences um what happened then, at those clinics um they- SSM health just completely um taking away transforming health care, gender affirming care. Um to trans people. To trans people mm-hmm. specifically. Right. Um not to me. Not yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. I can still get an OBGYN appointment and they can still talk to me about if I am or am not pregnant. Exactly. I get that conversation but other people don't. Exactly. Um mm-hmm. it's Um, well, even that you frame it as the privilege that you had, yeah, which it is in the scope of the world, but we're talking about a basic human, human right. need, yeah, in America, a country that has wealth of doctors, wealth of medical expertise. This is a basic right in this country. We have Medicare and Medicaid to ensure. Of course, let's not tout how great America and our healthcare system is because it is awful. But ignoring that for a moment, I don't think there's an American that thinks you shouldn't have access to healthcare. And yet this is exactly what we're doing is taking away access to healthcare. And why is this, help us understand, I know this is maybe a, a stupid question, but help us understand why this this aspect of healthcare is important to the the whole being of a person. Imagine that you wake up every day and you're not you, but you see you and you know you're you. But the whole world and everyone else doesn't see it. And you know you are. You know exactly who you are. Um, and this is just if you decide to take a medical route. Not every trans person decides to take a medical route and they are still valid. Their gender is still valid and they are just, they're, they're beautiful and valid too. Not every trans person decides to take a medical route for their own reasons. And I want to make that very clear, Mm -hmm. too. Um, But for folks who decide to take a medical route um, and medically transition, 
for me personally, because I'm going to speak from a personal place now, because um, I can't speak for the whole trans community either, mm-hmm. as I am not um, like a, a beacon for the whole trans no, community. And you're, mo- you're not a monolith, right? Yes, I'm you're not a monolith. Indivi- I'm just individual one pieces, right? Um, so personally speaking, I knew who I was. I know who I am. And every day I would wake up and I would just not connect the pieces that everyone else was connecting. I was always like trying to connect the pieces. And then when I finally got access, the privilege of access to healthcare that I needed and wanted for myself um, and started to see the changes that I wanted in myself is when I started to feel a connection to myself. I started to make less risky decisions. I started to actually value my life. I actually started to um, actually see my worth and really just feel peace and euphoria in the things that I create, the things that I do. I was able to actually feel love from people. Whereas if someone like my mom would say, I love you, I'd be like, okay, before. I'd say I love you back, but it, I didn't understand it because I didn't love myself. I didn't know what it was like to love myself until I took that step that I came out, that I started my transition. Mm. So transition is an act of self-love mm-hmm. first. Yes. Thank, Thank you for sharing beautiful. that with us. That was really, really powerful. And how, right, if you present parts of yourself to society mm-hmm. you're always hiding other parts mm-hmm. and not hiding other parts because you want to hiding other parts because you almost need to or are afraid to and the power of having gender affirming care as part of that mm-hmm. a part of whatever it is you are is all of you mm-hmm. is okay mm-hmm. and wanted mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Gabriel, wouldn't would you agree that transitioning is a reclamation, you know, of of oneself as as reclaiming something that may have even have been attempted to be stolen from that person due to societal pressures, uh family pressures, you know, etc. Things oh, like absolutely. that. That's that's kind of why unfortunately I do believe that there is an individual in our states, more than one, who believes that healthcare isn't a human right. Our government has done such an exceptional job at just starving our people of uh, education. And I do think that I could very easily come across someone who has not taken any of those steps in reclaiming the justice that they deserve that they've always deserved since birth, since that's when a lot of the violence begins. And um, that's why I'm not really surprised that a lot of folks don't so understand 
what transitioning actually represents for trans people. Mm-hmm. Ta- Gabe, you touched a little bit about sort of the spectrum of options mm-hmm. that I think that people have this narrow idea of gender affirming care means top surgery mm-hmm. or it means, you know, other surgeries or it means taking hormones that aren't usually in your body. Mm-hmm. Now, those are two things, but I want to make sure everyone understands those are two things on a long list of medical professionals that go to medical school and are experts Mm -hmm. that have in their toolbox and it's not having the ability to get gender affirming care doesn't mean you want one of those two things only exactly it can it's talk therapy it's um it's art therapy it's Um, I mean, it's mental health care. Let's let's just just summarize it. Um, gender affirming care can be mental health care. Mm-hmm. It can be um, harm reduction education. Can be gender affirming care too. Um, there are like ways of learning how to. Um, transition in a harm reductionist way and um, those are important to know too as not everyone has access to health care um, so I mean it can be as simple I shouldn't say simple because nothing in this life is simple mm-hmm. Um, it can be, um, gender affirming care can be a conversation too Mm -hmm. between you and your doctor, whether if you have one or, or you and your therapist, you and your caseworker, if you have one, um, you and a trusted friend that cares about you. It's who affirms, who sees, and who cares. We've talked so much about mental health and the the impact it has on, you know, being in a society that doesn't want to see all of you and the burden that you carry as an individual then because of that how heavy is how do you want to what do you want our listeners to know about that about the mental health challenges that um trans youth and trans individuals face but i think legislators and people that support this led you know hateful legislation they have no it's like they can't even understand what a mental health challenge is which of course is ridiculous because everybody has them Mm -hmm. but there's such a disconnect they can't it seems like they can't seem to relate to that yeah well i mean we tried to tell the different senators and um that having this conversation within itself, debating the 
human mm-hmm. rights of an individual is violent. And yes. multiple, if not all, of the senators, there there were maybe a couple who, who could understand that and agree, you know, um, could not seem to fathom how asking invasive, ignorant questions can be harmful. And I think it has a lot to do with the time and the space and the place. If these questions were being asked in a room that was centered around education and and not in a room where it was going to be voted on eventually of whether or not it should pass, uh, it would be far more appropriate. So I... Fortunately, I say this fortunately for myself and the work that I do. I have a lot of space for these individuals who claim to not understand. And I have a lot of space to accept them for who they are and to work with them if that's truly what they want. It's very easy for me to figure out. If if it's not what truly someone wants, then... I am like repellent to them. You know, they they can only stand to be around me for so long. <laughs> Their loss. Um, <laughs> why do you think? I mean, Sky Gia, you point out at the beginning that this is trans rights and trans presences in the world have have existed since the start of the world itself. But certainly in the last few years, there has been a rise in anti-trans legislation, right? And we talked about those numbers at the start, how in 2021, there were 144 bills, et cetera. And then all of a sudden this year, 580 plus bills. It's it's really undeniable how the quadrupling of the numbers. Why are trans individuals the scapegoat of the anger of, of, you know, a political party of, of people right now. Why do you think that? How did this happen? I think that part of it, from my experience of being trans, has to do with um, how and, you know, how accepted and embraced I was experiencing life um, and from the community that I was born in. I was born in Rockford, Illinois, And I would say that around 2016, 2015, when I started to be out and open about my identity, you know, I experienced more unity and uplifting. And uh, I know that that's not the case for every trans individual. But speaking from my experience, I wouldn't be surprised if so much of the uprising of the hate and the legislation has to do with the fact that we were continuing to make progress. And I, I always like to like loop it back around to that because I think it's really important for LGBTQ individuals and our allies not to lose hope. Uh, I think that the ways that the policy is able to influence our community and the ways that the policy is able to influence our perspective as a whole is very powerful. And that's what I think is what we have to combat the most is trying to combat our perception of reality to um, if we're actually within these communities and, you know, not just believing that it's it's all um, 
burning down and, and negative and that we don't have these radical spaces where we're experiencing joy and where we're living our lives and we're thriving you know it is happening and um, the ways that the policy is able to influence and manipulate that perception mm-hmm. I think is is something that should be touched on because it definitely impacts the LGBTQ uh, community in a negative in a negative way we're talking today with Gabe Laredo transgender advocate and Skygia peer system navigator, both with Outreach LGBTQ Plus Community Center. If you want to join the conversation, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call at area code 608-256-2001, extension 9. Mary Jo is staffing the phones. We've got Jay and um, Jade in the studio. Happy to take your calls. Happy to Take a message. If you don't want to join us live on the air, you can pass a message on to us here in the studio. However you want to contribute to the conversation, we would love to hear from you. Again, at area code 608-256-2001, extension 9. I want to talk a little bit about how the gender-affirming legislation that's proposed here in Wisconsin that mirrors uh, similar legislation across the country specifically as targeting youth and how the people introducing this legislation are saying they're introducing it to protect, you know, vulnerable youth uh, from those evil healthcare providers and those evil parents and families and support systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking before the show about a decision that came out from a court in Arkansas where one of these bills was passed that really just eviscerated and dismantled the dis, uh, the position by uh, people saying that they were passing this legislation to support youth. And it, it just sort of, I'm going to read a quick quote from that decision, and I want to get your thoughts on that. It says, rather than, this is, again, I'm reading from the decision by an Arkansas judge, uh, citing uh, these legislation as unconstitutional. This decision says, rather than protecting children or safeguarding medical ethics, the evidence showed that the prohibited medical care actually improves the mental health and well-being of patients, and that by prohibiting it, the state is actually undermining the interests of the people it's claiming to advance. What are your thoughts on that statement? It's because affirmation saves lives and it starts from like youth. Like if you affirm a youth's identity, if you affirm youth from the get go, it's going to save their life. And like, really, like, a lot of the argument towards um, that I personally hear, I don't know about you, Skygia, hmm. um, about youth getting access to health care is that it's quote unquote just a phase um, and that they'll grow out of it and such. And I'm of the mindset that if you support someone, what's the harm in support? What is it? What what is what is the harm in support? 
like whether the power of love the power right, of right. love like like it's it's more more often than not not a phase but even in the off chance it is you're loving someone through uh, that yeah through mm-hmm. a process through a that process that they're going through, they're going through. like mm-hmm. that they have the right to figure out for themselves exactly and culturally i don't think we have a lot of practice in supporting the autonomy <laughs> of other people uh it does definitely seem like a tactic because this isn't it's very clear to me that this isn't about protecting children there's yes. over a right. hundred right. ways that we could truly talk about protecting children oh, yes. when it comes to uh, the ways that children are harmed within this country and outside of this country. I don't think about and, yeah. But those aren't those aren't the conversations. Well, and we have right. a we have a, a like question. Cops in schools, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we have a question from a listener that fits in perfectly. Here's the question: They say it feels like part of the issue is that the general public thinks the decision to seek gender affirming health care is in the form of hormones or surgery is made rashly. Can either of you speak to the fact that oh. these are, it's just belittling. I would think so insulting that as if you would wake up one day and say, Oh, I want to have surgery. How ridiculous the hoops an adult has to go through for a lot of the care that I personally chose for my own transition um, let alone the hoops that parents need to jump through for their children if their children decide um, that this is their their path in their journey um, is <laughs> I I don't want to say I I don't want to laugh because it's a lack of education and I don't want to laugh at a, la- a lack of education because it's not laughable hmm. um, but it's the hoops one has to jump through just like just for access to care let alone transitional care mm-hmm it's the opposite of it's rash. It's the opposite of rash. Yeah. I I mean, as an adult, I've been on this journey for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, well, right. Mm-hmm. That's That seems like a long time for a rash decision. I feel, and, and even then, the... And again, I'm like not speaking for the whole trans community. I'm still speaking personally, but like I've known since childhood. There are studies that show that children know the concept of gender from like the ages of three to five. And I remember thinking like as a young child, I I being thinking I don't know what I am I'm not a little boy I'm not a little girl I might be something that's a ghost I thought I was a ghost because mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know what non-binary was right. I didn't know you, what the words you were you invent a, a category <laughs> that doesn't exist exactly right. because you exist so that category must exist exactly so it's just like these are thoughts that are already being thought and it's 
it's pre thought out. Like I remember going to the doctor at 15 asking him if I could be put on testosterone. And he he told me he had asked my mom and I was like, all right, we're done. We're done having this conversation because she was not a safe person. So I didn't start until I was well into my adulthood. So these are, and even then I still had to jump through hoops Mm -hmm. as an adult. And it took you years to get to that conversation as a 15 year old. Yep. Yeah, definitely. It seems like when it comes to this concept that it's a rash decision that uh, can just be easily granted there's a lot of accountability that falls on these legislators who are proposing these bills. And uh, when I'm sitting in these hearings and I'm listening to the fact that the people who are proposing these bills, they don't even know what they're talking about. And they're not being asked to be required to know what they're talking about. So when it comes to these systems that are accountable for perpetuating this ignorance, if they cannot be reformed, then we need to abolish them. Exactly. Should we talk a little bit about the other legislation? Um, can we talk about the proposals regarding sports? Mm-hmm. What what are what are those proposals? It, there's so much misogyny. I feel. There is. I know. I mean, <laughs> there's so much everything. Racism, right? But in particular, I remember. And maybe this is wrong of me to pull these together for the misogyny conversation. But I feel like the bathroom bill and the ban on girls sports, the conversations that I was getting from the media, which, of course, does not encompass everything. But the conversations that I was getting when I read about it in the media was we have to protect our girls. Mm -hmm. I'm a mother Mm -hmm. of two daughters, two individuals that identify identify as girls. Um, Both of them, of course, how would I not want to protect my children? Of course. Mm-hmm. And I'm a sexual assault survivor. I think all the time about now that I have two children that identify as girls. I think about what happened to me happening to them more than I wish I wish I could erase it from my mind. And yet still, the idea of a bathroom or what sport they're on is absolutely irrelevant to the fears that I have. Yeah. And I feel very manipulated as a feminist and someone that cares about women that this hatred of trans individuals is coming to my rescue. It's just, it's confusing. 100%. The bill that I saw that was uh, passed to a certain extent, not passed into law, but was just saying that basically trans women would be either forced to compete in men's categories or have a separate category altogether for That's trans people. And when goodness. you think about like the amount of translate, this is what gets me is like actually doing the like logical thinking behind it. And it's like, okay, so if we created a third category, how many trans athletes are there? How, is there even enough trans think athletes? Think of all the trophies you've <laughs> <laughs> and that's supposedly what it's about, right? Is like trying to dominate some type of mm-hmm. field. The other thing, though, that you really touched on that I did just want to comment on is this idea of uh, protecting women is like uh, there. If you listen to these conversations, they'll actually be very outward. There was a woman who was a part. I don't know her name, but she was a part of a swim team. And um, there was 
a trans woman by the name of Leah who um, competed on that team and basically one of the women who were on that team were just very upset about it. And she's here at this hearing advocating to remove someone like Leah from being able to compete on her team because of how uncomfortable it made her. Yet she had the nerve to say that Leah never once did anything to actually make her feel uncomfortable. Leah never made Leah never initiated anything to invade her boundaries or her privacy, but she still felt she had some moral grounding to stand on to say, but Leah doesn't belong within this space. And then the other flip of the mm. conversation is what they're actually talking about is they're actually talking about men who would pretend to be trans as a means to get access to women or spaces where men are not allowed. And right. in that conversation, you're not talking about trans people. You're talking about the violence that men, cis heterosexual men, inflict upon women. Correct. But you're not having that direct conversation. Right. Instead of, if you really want to protect women and girls, there's so much legislation and so much we could do to have a conversation about what cis men do to women and girls across this country and also yes. to men and other individuals mm -hmm. the level of violence and hatred but they won't have that conversation instead they're making this a, 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 an issue and it's so surprising do you feel like the legislators that pass these bills get get the hypocrisy or they use it they use feminism as a shield to justify their hatred I think there's both. I think there's the ones where it's flying right over their heads. Mm -hmm. And then there's the ones who are like, yeah, I get it. But my hatred is my priority, you know, so I'm going to go with this agenda because which is why I just very openly just call them in when I'm at these hearings, when I get the chance to public speak and just say, I see you. It's not always just the hatred. It's what funds them, too. Wait, say that again, Gabe. We didn't hear you. Not always just the hatred. It's what funds them, too. What funds them? Yeah. Like, it, what, like what backs them. Like, what political backings they have to, like, fund their campaigns and stuff tells them, essentially... How to vote. How to vote. What right. to propose. What I mean, to propose. It, yeah. it feels like, from someone... Like, I've worked in politics, and, and it... I, I feel like I could see the transition of we hate gays, we hate gays, we hate gays. Oh, darn it. The Supreme Court just said all gays can get married. Oh, darn it. Everybody has a gay friend now. Darn it. We we can't do this anymore. What should we hate now? How can we motivate everyone? Okay. Hey, everyone. Let's hate trans individuals. Okay. And you know what? That's a really great point. Uh, to answer your question that you asked before as to like why the spike happens, you know, now is like the trans community, especially during the gay liberation movement, you know, was very much left out. And mm -hmm. if the trans community wasn't as left out, then the trans community mm -hmm. wouldn't be as vulnerable to these attacks as right. as as we are now. And mm -hmm. you know, we're, I, as 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 being a member of the trans community and saying that I am vulnerable in that way, that I don't have these legal protections. We've seen space states or cities within this country that do not honor the protections that gays, gay bisexual, gay men, bisexual men, uh, lesbian women. Um, we've seen those protections be overrided as well. Hmm. So, you know. I'm sure that's a whole nother tremendous conversation of the T in LGBTQ. That, oh, yeah. That we've been dying to have. We've been living to have. <laughs> well, do you think it's accidental or no. on purpose? I think it was on purpose. Mm -hmm. I do. 
And yeah, that's some accountability that our own community needs to continue to lead. Yep. They felt individuals, and of course, we cannot speak of the monolith of the community, but at, at some point, individuals leading a political activism decided yeah. they wanted to leave trans out of the conversation because they thought they could be more successful and we even saw yes we even saw with the civil rights movement as well as leaving gay people out black gay men who were very much a crucial part in the progression of the civil rights movement but leaving these black gay men in the shadows because well that would compromise the overall success of the mission we are talking right now with Gabe Laredo and Sky Gia. They are both um, advocates and activists with Outreach LGBTQ Plus Community Center. Gabe is the transgender advocate. Sky Gia is the peer system navigator. Um, so in our final minutes here, what do you want people to leave this conversation knowing? What can we do to support you? Uh, to hear you, what are the best things? If you could give us a list, uh, homework for all of us to do to be better allies. We can't be doing everything mm -hmm. right. I'm sure the community disappoints you on a regular basis when they should be standing next to you. Help us be better. Sky Gia, do you want to start? I would say first to the LGBTQIA plus community members. Um, if, if you're here and you're listening, find me or I will find you in terms of if a vessel of support in your own liberation and our community's liberation is what you are lacking uh, you can find me at Outreach's Community Center. You can find me within the Madison um, within the Madison scene. I am very open and welcoming to connecting with more people. And then the only things that I would say to allies of the community is continue to like wake up and ask like what can you learn today? What what didn't you know? And continue to create space for the experience that you are wrong and if you do want to support the community that you are not a part of then use any avenues of privilege that you have to amplify our voices and continue to give a platform for people like Gabriel and I to speak and share our truth and experience thank you mm -hmm. Gabriel? Yeah, I couldn't have said that any better, Skygia. Um, to add, um, I think just listen and believe us. And, um, I think um, whenever possible, just allies to just listen and hold space. Um, 
it's um, not always easy advocating for yourself. Yeah. And um, so it's nice to have an ear. And for folks in the community listening, I can also be found at Outreach, and I offer peer support. Um, I offer anything you might need. Um, I'm here for you. Um, I work for you. Um, and for allies. Um, just keep keep listening to us. Keep believing us. Keep constantly education. Yes, decolonize your mind as decolonize much as possible. Decolonize your mind as much as possible. Exactly. Um, and I agree with Skygia um, mm-hmm. with what she said with um, using any um, any privileges that you might have to amplify marginalized voices. Which will include sacrificing some of your privilege as well. You know, yeah. you have bridges with people who, who are homophobic, who are transphobic. I support you in burning them, honestly, <laughs> if it means that you are going to liberate yeah. an oppressed person, yes. Mm-hmm. Do the hard work. Well, it has been an incredible honor to be in this space with you. Thank you both so much. Gabe Laredo, Skygia, thank you for all of the work that you do and for um, making my day so much better, having had this amazing conversation with the two of you. Really an honor. Thank you thank so much. Thank you for the work that you do as well here. Yes, thank you. I would love this job. It's fun. <laughs> uh, let's, all right. You all heard that. Let's get Skygia a job right here. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, you've been listening to A Public Affair on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. Thank you, Jay, for engineering, Jade for producing, Mary Jo for staffing the phones. See you again next week, everyone. We come and listen and support it. Live and direct, we come and never pre-recorded. With information that would never be reported. Disregard the mainstream, media distorted. We come and listen and support it. we come and never pre-recorded. With information that would never be reported. Disregard the mainstream, media distorted. We come and listen and support it. Live and direct, we come and never pre-recorded. With information that would never be reported. Disregard the mainstream, media distorted. We come and listen and support it. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take it to another mental level. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take it to another mental level. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic.